0: Parasitic worm infections affect millions of children in developing countries, causing debilitating illness and holding back their physical development. However, in a reanalysis of data from a flagship study, researchers from the school found that deworming children may not, in fact, improve school attendance. We spoke to study authors Dr. Alexander Akin and Callum Davy, who told us more about the original two thousand and four study in Kenya and their reanalysis of the data. So worm infections in the developing world are an enormously widespread. In a lot of children, they're at a fairly low level, and then in a in, in a small minority of children, it results in uh, problems relating to anaemia and uh, malnutrition. Um, then the 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 further effects of worms are to to some extent still still under investigation.
1: What do people believe are the benefits of deworming kids?
0: So it's very widely accepted throughout medicine that uh, getting rid of worms will probably reduce the chance that a child might become anemic and probably reduce the chance that they might have malnutrition. Um, A lot of kids have no problems from worms but a small number will go on to develop these things. The stuff that's a bit more unknown is about educational effects and also the effects on the immune system are, are things that are A lot of scientific groups are are looking at with great interest at the moment.
1: So, what's the main challenge that you guys were were trying to address?
0: So, there's this very famous paper about the effects of deworming children um, on a wide range of outcomes, but principally health-related, school attendance, and exam performance. So, this paper was published in 2004 in the journal Econometrica, which is an economics journal. And it's been very influential because amongst the different things they described, it suggested that deworming school children meant that they had better school attendance. And this study was done in Kenya. So a lot of African countries and other developing countries have, amongst other bits of evidence, have used this to say that deworming programmes would be a good thing to do because they would get more children going to school, which obviously we'd all like to see we came to this paper through program run by an organization called 3ie that's the international initiative for impact evaluation who's uh, largely economists and they they were getting a whole range of influential papers in development studies reanalyzed to see if the same conclusions were reached when a sort of independent set of researchers looked at this. So, Callum and I started this process in 2012, and we're now just about to be publishing our results uh, on our reanalysis of the same data.
1: Can you explain to me what you did in this study? What were you looking at?
0: The way we were doing this is we were reanalysing the original data, um, we, we weren't going out to collect anything new. So we did the reanalysis in three stages. The first stage was to redo the author's original methods. The second stage was to take the original raw data, but to approach it in a, in a different way, in line with modern epidemiology methods. And then the third thing we did was really to, to think about the, the causal chain going on here.
1: So whether the, the mechanism that people are saying that these worms are causing these problems is actually what's going on.
0: Exactly, L- looking at that kind of causal pathway, yep.
1: What is this kind of data and what did you find when you looked at it again? Because obviously the first study seemed quite positive.
0: So the, the first thing we did was really to take the original authors' um, approaches and reproduce them, really just taking their same raw data and using the same calculation steps that they've done to see what uh, results were reached. To our surprise, there were quite a lot of issues that we found in the original analysis that were represented, I guess, some mistakes, some kind of oversights by the original authors. A lot a lot of them were sort of very trivial things, but a few of them were quite substantial and resulted in some of their kind of major findings, as they'd originally described them, being quite different. So that, we felt, was kind of quite an important finding as a as a first stage
1: and you would expect if you if you did the same sums basically with the same numbers you should end up with the same numbers this is quite concerning that this paper is so influential
0: yeah i I mean i think this is kind of um illustrating the value of this kind of reanalysis. um the 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 funders call it a replication but essentially it's reanalyzing. so yeah it kind of illustrates that influential studies can Benefit, or, or at least the scientific community can benefit from from taking a second look at kind of bits of data that have been um, been used for a lot of work. Um, so that that was our kind of our first stage, and we we called that a pure replication, basically doing their analysis again.
1: So, Callum, that's the first stage. What was the second stage? What were you looking at?
2: As Alex has described, the first stage was to try and see whether or not the original findings could be replicated using exactly the same methods. In the second phase was what was at the time termed a scientific and statistical replication. And what that amounted to was essentially taking the same data and applying new um, or at least newly devised analysis to the data.
1: Kind of crunching it in different ways.
2: Exactly. To try and uh, ask the same, answer the same questions or similar questions. So our scientific and statistical analysis was based on a plan that we wrote and published a while ago now and before we started looking at the data at all. There was another feature of the data which made it a little bit more complicated which was that the study was conducted over two years and the intervention, which was this deworming um, and uh, worm education programme, was rolled out to additional schools in the second year. So that in the first year, 25 of the 75 schools got the intervention, and in the second year, 50 of the 75 schools got the intervention, and the data came from both years. So. Analyzing that was potentially a bit of a challenge, and we tried to take a sort of cautious approach to how we um, tried to estimate the effects of this intervention on two key primary outcomes. That was being uh, attendance in school, which was measured by direct observation of whether or not children were in school, and on examination performance, which was measured using um, a standardized test at the end of each year.
1: When you look at this data again with your kind of new number crunching and break it down, what conclusions do you find? Do they support the conclusions of the original paper?
2: So when we looked at the data again, relatively cautiously on the basis of both the design, but also, I should say, the limited access we had to some of the documentation supporting the conduct of the trial. Now, we appreciate that the trial was actually uh, done quite a number of years ago. It ended in... actual doing of the trial ended in 1999, uh, and many of those documents will be missing now or um, or, not, or or not, just somehow not available, and also that the procedures for doing studies of this type have moved on um, since that time, and so uh, we, we are um, not trying to be too critical, but in light of the fact that we didn't have some of those things, we uh, did try and be cautious. Our analysis took a few different looks at the data, and A primary uh, part of our analysis was to try and keep things simple, and we tried to look at the effect of the intervention within each year before combining it across both years. And what we found was that while there was some evidence that there was effects in each of the years, these were small, and the statistical evidence to uh, support these effects being not due to chance was limited. However, when we combined the data from the two years, the effects were much larger. But when we considered what that meant in, the, in, the, in that context and some other interesting but unexpected patterns in the way that the data ma- has manifest from the different schools, we aren't that confident about the combined year results uh, and, and have chosen to, in our report, to, to play down its significance uh, and, in fact, um, heavily caution any overinterpretation of that particular results when comparing intervention and control schools in terms of school attendance. For the examination performance outcome, um, we found no effect of the intervention which is consistent with the original study.
1: You've looked at the data and uh, you've done the original analysis again, you've looked at the data and analysed it in a new way. What else did you do to look at this data?
0: So the the final part of our reanalysis was what we called a a scientific reanalysis or oh, a replication, rather. And this is really trying to look at the, the causal chain of whether giving children deworming drugs actually has this eventual knock-on effect of um, making them go to school more. Having worms in your gut doesn't, in itself, stop you from going to school. So people who have done research in this field have always said, well, there must be some kind of intermediate step somehow relating to the child's health that kind of makes children with worm infections less less healthy, so they're less likely to go to school. That that's always been the the um, the sort of the the, un, the hypothesis. And in the original paper, what they'd said was, or that what they'd found was that there was an effect on the hemoglobin level in in children who had deworming treatment had less anemia, and they also seemed to have slightly better nutrition. So it was sort of offered that sort of haemoglobin and nutritional state was somehow this intermediate step but what we found in reanalyzing was that actually the evidence for both of those things that the haemoglobin was actually a a mistake that there was no evidence of of an effect on the haemoglobin level and the evidence for an effect on nutrition was was really very very weak and we 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 disregarded it so looking at it from this kind of causal point of view of deworming children um, does it lead to changes in your health? Does that lead to then improvements in school attendance? Well, we said, well, there was no effect on health. So any any anything from the deworming drugs, well, it couldn't possibly result in improvements in school attendance because there was no evidence of the intermediate step. And we, we kind of described some alternative mechanisms that could could be resulting in this effect, one of which could be the fact that you're Doing the study in the first place, observing children very closely, could be the thing that's altering their behaviour. So, so
1: they don't want to get in trouble, so they're going to go to
0: school. Well, exactly. If they know that someone's going to turn up and check their attendance a few times a month, m- maybe that was it. So, so that's a kind of a third way. This kind of causal pathway reanalysis was a, a third way that we kind of thought about the study. Afresh.
1: Now to me obviously having worms doesn't seem like a great thing I, so this suggests that the benefits of deworming in terms of maybe the educational attainment or things like that have been overstated but isn't it a good thing to get rid of worms if kids have worms?
0: Absolutely I mean we're, we're not saying that deworming children is a bad thing but as, as you say these educational benefits and um, perhaps been overstated or the, or the evidence in this particular paper has been over overplayed. Um, we're, ser- we're certainly not saying that deworming children is is a bad thing, but if you're if you're trying to balance up against other possible things that you might do with development money or public health funds, if deworming children doesn't actually make them go to school more, perhaps you'd choose to spend your money uh, if you're a, a minister of health or a, or a philanthropist in a in a different way. That's what we kind of hope the the knock-on effect of our work we're publishing is going to be is that people working in the development community go back and have a have, have a think about whether whether deworming children is really what is the best way to, to spend spend their money.
1: How does this fit in then to the, the broader picture of evidence about the benefits of, of worming or not and, and how is this going to influence the, the scientific literature?
0: Two different groups the the cochrane collaboration and the campbell collaboration are are both in the process of preparing sort of systematic reviews um, relating to the benefits of deworming children which should be coming out in the next few months so so watch this space for what happens from those groups
1: what have you been saying to the the authors of the original paper
2: we are extremely grateful to the authors of the original paper and Uh, commend their courage to put forward essentially everything that they've done on this study uh, to allow a a group of people they've never met to scrutinize them and uh, eventually publish the results. So I think that has shown a commendable level of exactly the type of transparency that I think the whole of public health would benefit from. They also put in um, quite considerable amounts of work, which follows on from what Alex was saying about the importance of the replication study in that it's quite a lot to do this. If this is to become a norm in uh, public health that we scrutinise things uh, to this extent, then we need to see funders step forward and uh, make it possible because this has added quite a lot, we think, um, and the results of the study by being looked at by two Different um, research groups uh, has allowed this trial to be uh, presented in the fairest possible way and hopefully in the future that will be more common. Ideally a proper replication program would would allow fully funded new trials to be conducted in different populations but in lieu of that re-looking at data and allowing other groups to analyze them I think is a great step forward and allows us to have more confidence in the results that are coming out of these studies.
1: What do you think this means for looking at perhaps some of these old studies that so much health policy is built on? Is there a case for reanalyzing more studies in this way?
0: Yeah, I mean I think our findings are an enormous uh, affirmation of the value of replication studies and particularly for these slightly older papers that are still very influential today. So I, I think, yeah, lots more replication studies should be done in the future. And it, it helps. Um, I mean, we, we've worked uh, with the, the original authors on this. They're, they're economists largely. And, and I think they've, they, they feel that um, in, in the economics field, they're kind of learning a lot from what we do in public health and the way we analyze our studies. So I, so I, I think um, that there's, there's a lot of value in, in further studies of this, of this kind.